What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert. I'm joined by my good, good friend, J.W. Crewall. J.W., how you doing this week? Riley, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing real swell, man. I was just telling you earlier, I uh, I ended up taking one of those accidental naps on the couch, uh, and I woke up yeah. about an hour ago, and when I looked at my phone, I thought it was like 7 30 in the morning oh, <laughs> and, it, gosh. and if you've ever i'm sure you've had that moment right i'm sure everyone listening has too where they wake up from a nap and they think it's the next day but it's not yeah. and that moment of just pure panic sets in i i was there for a little bit so that's hilarious my wife i mean ann actually had kind of a similar thing today i was walking upstairs i was working on the computer she was like okay i'm just gonna go to bed for like 10 minutes, 20 minutes or whatever. I walk up and she's like, oh, oh. she wakes up. She's like, what time is it? What's Because she had a lesson to teach in like three minutes. And yeah, oh, it no. was, I think you guys probably are the kindred spirits of the, the sleep today because she had what sounded like it's a very similar situation. Yeah, it turns out after a long day of work, just like taking the, taking the blanket to the couch is just a, yep. a, a recipe for doom. Yep. Yep. And um, I, it was kind of funny, though. I felt like my day had too much time in it today. I mean, I really? was doing so many different things. Like, I kept busy, but it's like I transitioned to all these different things. I'm writing something. I am doing a project for my nephew where we're building wow. a bike. Ooh. So, well, we're not building it, but we have it. So it's a wooden bike and we're sanding it down. Gotcha. And then yeah. we're going to repaint it and get all the screws and stuff all shiny like and then just i don't know i was working on a different thing on a coaching session today i was doing a little bit of testing i was doing some read stuff and practicing and so i was just like doing a lot and cooking and yeah it was just a lot of things and they all kind of i don't know i just felt like i had a lot of time today for some reason i i really like those kind of days where you like I don't know you get a chance to like do a lot of different things you're always kind of moving uh those are the days i like at work those are the days i like in like my own time it just feels like you're getting a lot done you know yeah and i was i was <laughs> awesome it's cool. you'll have to show off that bike when it's finished uh, i'm curious what it'll end up looking like it's gonna be fresh we went to pick out the paint tonight at lowe's and we got a nice you know cool mint i think it's called mermaid's whisper oh wow <laughs> something like this i can't remember exactly my wife is yelling at me what the name was but i can't hear her so uh, mermaid's <laughs> whisper that's a pretty good name for a color if that's correct <laughs> it's pretty good it's a nice little color we were deciding between that and refresh but refresh was a little too harsh and sure. so the mermaid's whisper was like fanciful without being childlike sure fanciful but subdued yeah but sophisticated yeah very nice very nice i that's how i know i'm really old is like i can talk about colors we went to the paint section yeah at lowe's and i had very strong opinions about one hue of <laughs> mint versus the other yeah once the once the colors section of the home depot and the lowe's stops being just a place where you look at swatches for fun and you have actual opinions on them it's probably when you graduate into being an adult made me feel something yeah made me feel something. <laughs> some kind of way that's right cool well 
you know, I, I think we we can't ignore this upcoming weekend is the Limitless Qualifier number four, the last one before their actual, you know, tournament series proper. Uh, so this is going to be a really exciting time. It's the second one in the Rebel Clash format. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are excited to see how the meta has been taken from the infancy stages it was in the first Limitless Qualifier in this format. And where it'll evolve coming into this next one sure so i think we just have to start from the top right like the very first contender that we think of when we think of this format has to be picaram um you know it went from nobody really talking about it besides some light mentions into the deck defining this format and i don't think it's truly changed in that regard i think it's still incredibly strong incredibly fast it just puts a lot of pressure on really quickly and does exactly what Pikaram has always fantasized about doing. So, JW, let's start with that. What are your thoughts on Pikaram heading into this event? Do you like it? Do you think that it's going to be too heavily represented and therefore countered? Uh, is there uh, some that sort of con to playing it? What it, What is the current state? Well, and that's the thing is like, yes, I do agree that it will have a target on its back you know if we look at the amount of phalanx decks that were in quarter one or qualifier three as opposed to qualifier four like i definitely think there will be an increase in that kind of direct <laughs> counter to pikram like just just going off of that very basic stat but additionally i think you will see more decks uh, just trying to accommodate for Picaram in some way, even like a softer, a soft counter that they maybe didn't play otherwise. Uh, something like just stadiums that are good interactions with Picaram. I'm thinking of Chaotic Swell, Power Plant, and Shrine of Punishment, all kind of having this yeah, little counterplay with what Picaram is trying to do, all in their own respect, good against what Picaram is trying to do. And so, you know, you'll see probably some of that. Things like Wabafet might make their way into some decks as a soft counter to Pikaram. And so I think just the way lists are built are going to try to include a few more little tricks that just make it that much harder for Pikaram to overcome. But the problem with that is that they don't always just beat the matchup, which again is a testament to Pikaram's strength. It really just feels like the deck that has, um, you know, that is like a direct counter is the only thing that can really be Picaram. And we look at things like Obstagoon. Like, that doesn't really even be Picaram, despite Picaram being an all-basic deck, yeah. despite Obstagoon having way more tricks up its sleeve. I mean, it, it really is the kinds of decks that are going to consistently beat Picaram are the ones that are just all in to beat it. And everything else has, you know, a pretty even matchup against it. Yeah, I... I think I agree, and it's funny because when we talk about Picaram now, it feels a lot like the way we talked about ADP Zashi in last format, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. he needs to devote so much to being able to consistently beat it, that yep. it almost doesn't feel worth it. Um, that being said, I think there are things that you can do to take a couple percentage points uh, in the right direction. Uh, I think Mew from Unbroken Bonds will probably be played in higher quantities. I think stuff that you mentioned, like Wabafet and the, sh the Shrines and the Chaotic Swells and uh, probably even more so power plant will continue to to see play uh power plant i think is taking a little bit of a hit just because the way picaram decks are constructed is i think more resilient to power plant than they used to be um 
Namely, I'm thinking of the fact that they play a lot more hard draw as opposed to relying on Volkner, which right. makes you incredibly right. susceptible to power plant. Right. <laughs> so I think we're on the same page there. Um, what I'm interested in is what those counters might look like. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, Phalanx being a deck. I don't think Phalanx is something that really can see much large-scale success because <laughs> it, I think it struggles a lot in the Dragapult matchup, and I I doubt you disagree on that one. I Are there other sort of decks that might hard counter Picarom or have just a generally favorable matchup against it outside of that? Some might say Blacephalon. I wouldn't necessarily agree on that. I mean, I think it's pretty, again, it just kind of is coming down to whether or not Blacephalon sets up, and uh, Picarom even then can do some funky tricks um, and so nothing that I really see as being like a viable contender has a very positive. I mean, you could say ADP Zation. I think that it's still uh, right up there. But now that Picaram has that very like ultra consistent like turn two and, and a very an even more real chance that the turn one full blitz, it just gets harder and harder for a deck like ADP Zation to play against the Picaram deck and so I think that you have yeah I'm again I'm trying to like grasping at straws to figure out exactly what can be Picaram again we were talking about these kind of soft counters that will probably make its way into other decks so the power plant stamp combo I think is a really powerful combo for the Dragapult deck and I think it's the way that Dragapult decks will see play in the future heading heading on into qualifier four and beyond and so things like that will probably make their way into the other, you know, big decks that can accommodate that. Right. I, th I think those are all fair. Um, we talked a little bit last week, and so you can you can always feel free to check that out as well, about the dynamic of the Picaron versus ADP Zacian matchup. And, yeah. and we had, you know, mostly theorized whether or not Picaron was still, uh, like, in a losing matchup there or if it had taken you know, the lead because of all the things that have been afforded to it uh, from the Le Rebel Clash set. Now that we've had some more hands-on experience yeah, with Picarom, uh, especially in the last, you know, week or so, we've, now we've had those results and the time to digest that. Do you still feel like that's the case? I feel like ADP Zashin completely blew Picarom out of the water just a set ago. Has that completely flipped on its head? Is that something that maybe is a little more even but still favored? I mean, it's just tough with, I think, again, the few factors that have came out, like the the uh, speed lightning energy just increasing your odds of getting the turn one. I think the tag call engine is the way to go. So basically, if you have the stadium and deck, you're guaranteeing yourself a turn two full blitz. And then having the bolt hunt to just continually one shot in that mid to late game is pretty potent for the Picarom deck. And so... I think it can be all those things just kind of combine with ADP not really gaining too much in terms of its speed potential. And I think that that, uh, that really helps the matchup a lot for Picarum. Right, for sure. So taking a look then at the way that, you're, that you should be building ADP Zashin, I think stuff like Energy Switch that can just spruce up, spruce up your, your consistency and your turn one potential a little bit further, especially in games where you're going second, might be right. relevant um, right. we had lightly mentioned stuff like that last week and it seems like that's the way that builds have continued to evolve um 
I would recommend playing an energy switch or two, so that way you can continue to push and push the limits of, of what your deck is looking like, um, right. and what it's able to achieve more quickly. Um, because right. what what ends up happening, I think, is you need the altered creation. However, you can get that to happen, and then, I think it's easier to stream, you know, two, you know, two of the the Zashians after that, after you've altered creation, than it is to even get the altered creation off in the first place. Sure, exactly. <laughs> So, what, however, you have to build your deck to achieve that. I think is going to be is going to be the money. So, let's take a look down at ADP's option. Uh, you talked about that being underplayed. I think I, I agree after my experiences in the last week or so. So, why do you think it was underplayed? Do you think it was because it was just no longer the star of the show, or do you think it was more of a situation where people were excited to try out new ideas and decks and gravitated towards those concepts instead yeah generally i just think that people were excited to try out new things i think that people were looking at like baby blacephalon and maybe fearing that matchup a little bit although i don't necessarily think it needs to be as feared as as maybe some people uh would but um yeah i think a combination of, of those two factors would be the rise of baby bliss or re-rise i don't know what uh, the the cementation of baby blacephalon as a tier one deck and then the just kind of new, you know, Dragapult. I, I, I kind of feel like the people that were really, really into ADP Zashin and really just learned the ins and outs of that deck were going to gravitate towards Dragapult. I don't know, for some reason, because I, I just speak from personal experience. Like, that was me. I was going to just stand ADP Zashin for all events until it yeah, died. Yeah, no kidding. You know, and then... <laughs> You did that then, ridiculously so as well. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, now we get Dragapult, and that really, like, captures me for whatever reason. And um, so, yeah, I just, I see some parallel in those and just, like, perfect math and, um, I don't know, kind of the the consistency of, of the two. And so, uh, yeah, I just think combination of those factors led a lot of people to play something different. Is there a reason that you, you see a parallel between the two? Because... To me, almost, I feel like that there's a conflicting strategy between those two decks where ADP Zashia tries to overrun you with overwhelming damage. And, you know, when I think of Dragapult, the first thing I think of is not overwhelming damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I think just like with the ADP deck, like you're the matchups within ADP was big were against things like Mewtwo and against things like Pika, where having this kind of perfect math damage was you know, optimal, like you were trying to fit in just enough damage modifiers to do the perfect math without yeah. going too far overboard. And you had the mirror where you're trying to get down shrines to hit perfectly into their uh, ADP. And so I, I just kind of feel it as like, you're trying to get everything exactly right with ADPization. Or that's how I felt when, when it was the big deck in the format. Now things are a little <laughs> bit more skewed, obviously, because you have things like VMAXs, which just up the uh, the damage that you need, you know, for one shots, which is just unattainable by ADPization now. But um, just that kind of perfection that you are looking to attain without wasting resources um, is something that I find Dragapult also does. You know, you're trying to use in Dragapult every single scoop of net for its like maximum uh, potential, and you're trying yeah. to 
put the energies at the exact right places and place the damage counters so that you don't waste a single damage. And it's just all these things that remind me of the ADPization deck where you're just like trying to hit the perfect numbers and you're trying to use your metal patches exactly right. And, um, you know, trying to use your gust effects perfectly in formats past. Yeah, I, I kind of see what you're saying there. I also feel like the one parallel I was going to draw was maybe instead of, you know, the, the actual attacks, it was the sort of cadence of gameplay seems familiar to me where you're kind of like having a relatively slow turn one just attaching and then turn two like the whole game transforms relatively quickly around that second attachment and your attack that comes with it Um, because i think what's key to dragapult is spreading that damage all over the place as quickly as possible and that's only something achievable literally on turn two just because of the nature of the evolutions no matter what kind of crazy acceleration mechanisms you have in there right right (laughs) so that's what that's to me the immediate parallel i draw is like you you have your turn one you sure. set up and then turn two sure. like yeah game blows yeah. Up. I mean, and, <laughs> yeah and right and that's like not to say like everyone that played adpization that like likes dragapult i'm just saying for me that's kind of where i saw the, the you know and my brain is at right now it's like i really loved adpz and then now i really really enjoy dragapult and i don't know maybe there's some uh connection there in my brain yeah, maybe you just like the poster child decks. <laughs> maybe, maybe. maybe you're just a sucker it, yeah. for the for Pokemon's <laughs> Force decks. <laughs> so where do you see uh, other decks? So we've talked about Pikaram. Uh, talk a little bit about Dragapult. Um, but like, what are, what are some other things that you would expect to show up in quarter four that, you know, have a realistic shot of winning the entire tournament? Yeah, I think... I think the first thing we have to point out, and I'm going to take a brief second here. I just want to thank Akila Cuddles in the chat. They've uh, they've got a subscription. They've been giving out a couple more. And we just, I feel like at that point we have to just say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, Akila Cuddles, for the support. Um, I think there's a couple realistic possibilities for for strong contenders right now in this format. And, uh, and the subtitle is really popping off. It's like slightly distracting me. <laughs> um, so I think Pikaram is, of course, the big top dog, and yeah. it won the last event. It's it doesn't feel surprising if it would see continued success in this one, even if people try to to work against it. Yeah. Um, I think another big contender that we're going to be looking at is Baby Blacephalon. Uh, we lightly mentioned it in our discussion of matchups earlier. Um, Baby Blacephalon, what it lacks in raw consistency, it gets back in pure power and output. Um, and that's something I think that really can't be be underestimated. Um, and the, the thing about Baby Cephalon is it almost feels like anyone can pick it up and see success. There's sure. not like a lot of craziness that go. There is a lot of there is nuance in the in the sequencing and stuff like that. But that's almost stuff that you can you can just practice that on your own. Like you don't even need sure. to necessarily have an opponent across from you at any given time. Right. Right. It's like very effective case. to play. It's very effective to play on the ladder and, and grind on the ladder because right. and it's like, not really dependent on what your opponent is doing. Right, and so like you gain a fundamental skill when playing that that you can just transfer to a lot of your a lot of your games, um, yep. and I th- I think that's actually a valuable resource. The fact that the fact that it can be picked up in that sort of way doesn't require like rigorous play testing to to understand the ins and outs of, and that's not to that's not undermining like the success that anyone has has seen I, when playing the deck. It's more along right. the lines of. 
Uh, I think it's it's cool that you can pick up a deck, look at it on the ladder, and have that as an experience as opposed to some decks I feel like are very nuanced in their gameplay. Uh, particularly a good example is you know the the Garchomp Giratina decks of a couple formats back. They were incredibly strong, but they had per- very particular gameplay patterns that I feel like you could only real, really replicate if you're testing them in real real situations that you'd be in all the time. Sure. Um, just because they were so particular about where like damage was placed and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, whereas the flip side of that is something like Beavis F1, where you can just kind of grind it and get the experience. Um, yep. Yep. So yeah, I think I think it'll see success. I think a lot of people will likely play it because of the the things that we've just outlined. Um, and so whether it ends up being a numbers game or the power of the deck itself, uh, it'll see some continued success. Um, Dragonfall, honestly. I was never a huge fan of the deck, and I was almost a little surprised at how successful it was. And yes, it, it, I don't know. It felt like a mixed bag, right? Where you really struggled to get Dragonfold off the ground in Qualifier Three. There yeah. was also multiple people who made top eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think I was validated in my choice of Dragonfold for the for the event because there were so many players that did very well with it. And I think my problem with the concept of the deck was that. I tried to be a little too reactive with my Dragapults. I went for a more of a healing route, and I think that maybe isn't the way to go with Dragapult. I think you do have to be a little bit reactive, but uh, things like, again, this Power Plant Stamp combo, I think is a perfect partner for Dragapult because, you know, you're going to probably take a hit. It's just, you know, Power Plant Stamp is maybe a stronger, harder combo to come out of than just healing 120. Yeah, and so I think right. I think you're hitting kind of like the right direction, right? Where it's like uh, maybe the direction that you took Dragapult was a little too much on the defensive side of things, and I think yeah. what we need to see is Dragapult taking more of an offensive stance. So even though Power Plant Stamp is, you know, I would consider that to still be a reactive combo, it's, sure. a, it's a much more offensive reactive combo than you know, just healing. Yeah, yeah, just kind of, yeah, obviously as funny as that sounds, but to just kind of uh, go over that point, you know, it, the stamp is only really effective when you're down on prizes or, you know, when you're trying to make a comeback or when you're trying to, um, you know, limit your opponent's hand after they've taken their first knockout or two. And so, uh, yes, I just feel the as though that is a card that was underutilized in quarter, qualifier three, but has really shown its potential. And so I think it just makes the perfect partner for Dragapult because they probably, your opponent is probably going to knock out, you know, your Jirachi. Ideally, you have that turn one, and then they'll probably knock out a VMAX. And at that point, you know, you're looking at a stamp to two, a stamp to three, and just trying to stick them with the power plant. Right. They get their one supporter, and then, you know, you're picking off their pivots, their Jirachis on the bench. And it just makes it a lot harder for them to get out of the lock. Right. And I think, uh, an important aspect of that is sort of picking off the pivots uh, and stuff like, like Picaram. Like you really need to disrupt their strategy at some point in the game, at least a little bit, to consistently beat the deck, in my opinion. Because uh, what will happen, oftentimes against Picaram, in my experience, is they're able to very quickly aggress on your Dragapults, even just the little two-prize Dragapults that haven't yet V-maxed, and that obviously puts you in a compromised situation. Um, where they can quickly set up a checkmate and there's a bolt on the board and 
Yeah. You know, you can't immediately knock that out with a Dragapult deck, no matter what you do. Um, right. And so the the flip side of that becomes, you know, trying to disrupt Pikaram in turn. So Pikaram is disrupting you through pure aggression. And so you have to respond back by, you know, planting your feet in the ground and saying, well, you know, take this. <laughs> and, and yeah. you know, doing something <laughs> along the lines of like a plant stamp. Uh, right. <laughs> so I, I think that's a good idea. I think we will likely see more things like that in Dragapult. Um, and I, so I'd like to touch that on that a little more though. So uh, you had mentioned when you built and constructed your Dragapult deck that the main thing that you were worried about was the mirror. And I don't know if you have planted your feet in the ground and saying and are saying this is still like how I play it for mirror scenarios, but what has caused you to, to shift your focus away from Dragapult into other matchups? considering it still did get multiple top eights. Well, I just think that I could outplay the opponent. If it's a mirror situation, then I think that just the resource management that I would need or not playing certain Pokemon down at certain times uh, would be able to give me just a little bit of an edge. And then there's also other things that you consider that are softer counters that are just maybe more versatile than something like a Mallow and Lana. Although Mallow and Lana is still very good and I would be looking to include it as you know, it's like one of those last few cards for inclusion or cutting. Um, I would look to also include like Crushing Hammer, you know, where has very good use against ADP, has very good use in the mirror, has like very reasonable use against Picaram and <laughs> Baby Bullacephalon and all these different decks. So that would be where I would potentially look to go. That's like an option. And so, yeah, I just think Maybe that softer counter that is a little bit more usable and more matchups is a little bit better than something that is just kind of head headlong for the mirror. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, I prefer an approach more along those lines as well. Right. Um, building your deck for the field and then taking on the mirrors as they come. Uh, right. With the exception of, you know, if a deck is overwhelmingly going to be popular, then of course, then you'll prepare for those mirrors. Right. Right. <laughs> so I, I think that all makes sense. Um, so looping back, though, to the question of what else I think could potentially see success, I think we've covered a lot of it. Uh, Pikaram, Dragapult, Blacephalon, and um, I forget what I've already said. Pikaram, Zacian. Dragapult. Uh, Blacephalon, Okay, so that is the four. Okay, I felt, like, probably... I felt like I was missing one, but that was the four that was mainly. I don't know. I mean, those are probably the top four. I think just generally speaking, those are what people are saying. You know what? These are good. They proved themselves last qualifier, and they should just remain good, whether or not people innovate them at all or just kind of copy the lists. I mean, we now have kind of the lists out there. The kind of I was I was talking last week about how the top performing you know Dragapult deck is going to kind of set the standard for Dragapult decks moving forward. And so I think we're just going to continue to see that um, more of the same, but more of these kind of polished lists of the ones that were successful in the last term right and so but taking that into like the next step um we had talked last week about some of the niche decks that we thought might be either that either were good for qualifier three or might be good looking into qualifier four i think a couple of them that stood out to me are going to be like a mewtwo focused deck and the uh obstagoon style deck that you were a fan of so you know, you had mentioned Obstagoon earlier and the fact that it kind of can struggle against Picaram. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think 
the main reason that it, at least in my mind, that it does that is because of the mixture of, you know, Pikachu and Zekrom being able to aggress very quickly and threaten the Tag Bolt, while at the same time, Raichu and Raichu is able to paralyze the Obstagoons and yeah. force them into yeah, weird situations. It's a really weird dichotomy there with the matchup, because on the Obstagoon side, like, theoretically, your ideal is to just have the one Obstagoon out and just be able to attack, attack, attack. But the problem with doing that, obviously, is that Raichu Raichu can come in and paralyze you, and if you don't have a pivot to switch to, then you're screwed. So you have to have two Pokemon out. But then that, in turn, threaten, you know, your opponent, the opponent playing Pikaram can threaten the Tag Bolt, <laughs> and if they just get one Gust, then they can take out two Obstagoon targets. And so it just gets really funky and really awkward, and just, you're a stage two, so you're gonna have to set up and if your opponent plays anything disruption-wise, like you're trying to set up this big hand or you're trying to dig out the Rosa and then you get reset stamped or you get Marnied or whatever and that Rosa goes back into the deck and you can't find it on the turn that you need it, then things get really screwy or you prize too many things. And it just, the the consistency is is all obviously favoring Pikaram. And so you as the, uh, you as the Goons player have to overcome that with your lock. And sometimes your lock isn't even good enough to overcome. Yeah, so let's expand on that idea further. Uh, Obstagoon was a deck that you had called out as being a potentially good pick, at least in Qualifier 3. Uh, in hindsight, uh, do you think it retains that going into Qualifier 4? Is Pikaram too difficult to overcome? Or are there tricks that you can include in your bag to improve the Pikaram matchup? No, I think, I think it's good. I think it's a good... Um, matchup for Goons. I just don't think it's like an auto-win by any means. Like an auto-win for Goons would be Baby Bull Seven. Sure. But Pikaram is just maybe not that. It's maybe like a 55-45 matchup where you have a slight edge, but there are a lot of things that Pikaram can do. And if Pikaram hits the things that they need to in the order that they need them, then they're just going to be able to win kind of no matter what you do. But then on the flip side of that, if Goons, you know, hits the things that they need at the right times, then they can counteract that. And so for Goons, I think a big thing is trying to play some type of you know, I mean, you, you kind of have to play a heavy hitter or two or potentially three where you can just take a one shot on their big boy, the turn that they bring it up. Like the turn that they tag bolt six energy onto their peak around, like you got to have a response that turn. You know, you got to have your evolutal. That's like probably what you would do there. And then as the game progresses, you know, if you can build up and they're trying to go for the paralyzed strategy, well, maybe if you can set up a Sableye, then that's going to kind of take care of the Raichu Raichu. And the other things that you can kind of include, well, the one that comes to my mind specifically for Pikaram, besides something like a, like a Shrine of Punishment, would be the Mimikyu to make it just that much harder to retreat. Right. Uh, the Mimikyu with the with the GX ability mm -hmm. block. And so just make it that much harder to get into the Raichu Raichu and back. And so that would be the one kind of trick that I have found that, that does hinder Pikaram substantially. Yeah, another thing I was thinking of, um, and I think Celia's uh, Network also tweeted this out, is potentially including an energy switch. Uh, and the reason that you could do that is while you're locking, uh, if they go for the paralyzed strategy, you should already have multiple energy on board from your lock, and then you could switch them onto the the Sableye to immediately take a knockout when they bring the Raichu Raichu up. Uh, sure. Because my biggest problem with the Sableye 
right, I agree it's a strong card, but like it's two attachments and you have a two prize you're sitting there that you're attaching to for multiple turns in a Goons deck. And that just feels completely counterintuitive to how the deck should play in in my view. So the Veltal feels like a more natural fit than the than the Sableye to me. Um, right. And so including something that can, you know, mitigate that I guess weirdness with the Sableye to me seems like a valuable option it, even just as a one of that you can retrieve off a of rosa or something um, sure because you know you do have these this powerful search card that can quickly get you three piece combos um and when you think of something like sableye that's an exact three piece combo <laughs> like a pokemon right. and energy and an item <laughs> are literally the things that you need to pull it off so right right <laughs> and i and i guess like a switch or something but yeah no i mean i think it's a good deck i think people that are interested in playing it like i think generally will have a good time if they know what they're doing again that goons is a deck where you can outplay your opponent you know you can put damage counters on certain things the texts that you include are going to flip matchups depending on how you use them and so um i just i like obstagoon i don't know that it I don't know that it could like if you're telling me okay you're jw you're gonna play obstagoon but you're gonna play against 13 picaram like i don't know that i would be excited to play out <laughs> right. uh you know it certainly can win the matchups yeah it can win that matchup it just i i think again we look at the best deck in the format as being picaram it just it doesn't take an auto win against that even though it like should and i think it's general kind of inconsistencies are what's going to keep it away from uh, from winning the tournament. Now, I think it could absolutely top eight. It could absolutely have a couple placements in top 16. But I think just generally speaking, uh, we're not going to see a large influx of, you know, uh, Goons players converting and, and making it into the higher, um, higher rankings of the qualifier for. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I more or less agree. Um, generally, I'm not a huge fan of the lock certain type of attackers down kind of deck. Um, yeah. At least when it's reliant on an attack. So I'm thinking of stuff like like the Jolteons and the Glaceons of years past. And yeah. um, I was never a big fan of those kinds of strategies. And right. Obstagoon is kind of reminiscent of that. So I'm not. I'm still not a huge fan of it, except for the fact that Obstagoon is like funnier. I guess right. like <laughs> it's it's more entertaining. Um, sure. <laughs> just from like a high level standpoint, it's funnier. So yeah, I like yeah. that. Um, I also will say, if hopefully not too many people show up with Obstagoon because that mirror is just the worst. It reminds <laughs> you of the Greninja mirror. It, it kind of does, yeah. Or you just do, you do like a very minimal amounts of damage forever, back and forth. You're sniping a little bit, but not really. Yeah. It's a, right. it's wild. Um, a while back uh brady and i actually played that mirror against each other and we spent like a solid hour on tcgo just like and then you're like well and then you're scooping up right and if you play like lanoon or if you play two lanoon then you're trying to like evolve yeah it's like you scoop up the active and then you know it's yeah i like use the night slash on the lanoon and like you it just gets it's too much man. <laughs> oh no yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the other deck, though, on, on my side of the the less popular spectrum was, was the Wilder Mewtwo deck. Uh, I don't think there's a ton we really have to elaborate on with this deck. I think it's basically retained the same core strategy and elements to it. Um, and it's just that strategy is still decently strong. Is there anything you want to hit on specifically for Mewtwo on any of its variants? 
Um, not not particularly. I don't see Welder Mewtwo or the quote unquote Ultimate Mewtwo really making that big of a splash. Um, again, at some point, since there are thirty or so decks in the format, and I would qualify like the Mewtwo decks in this very a solid tier two. Um, I, there's just not enough time to test them all, so I couldn't like tell you the ins and outs of the Mewtwo matchup against you know the I don't know all the new stuff, all the Dragon Ball match. Like I can't really tell you the ins and outs, but uh, just from past experience and uh, the results that we saw in quarter three, I just don't really see that deck uh, performing against the other tier one decks. Yeah, I. I can kind of see that as well. I think it can choke out a lot of matchups, but I think it struggles probably against the ones that are going to be most impactful. Well, and then you look at it, and I just like, when you're thinking about playing for quarter four, like I would just want to play a deck that, aside from maybe Dragapult, but like I would just want to play a deck that I know has a few of those matchups that I can just go in, not on necessarily autopilot, but just like I'm so confident in that matchup. Like going <laughs> yeah. in, I just gonna am gonna beat it. And I don't know that Welder Mewtwo quite has that. Like I'm trying to think of a matchup where it's like, yes, Welder Mewtwo, I want to play into this matchup, and I just can't think about one. And that's I don't know would be kind of concerning to me if I was thinking about playing a Mewtwo variant. I just can't really figure out a matchup that I would really enjoy playing against. No, and I think I think that's a relevant factor and something i think would even sort of expand on that is the fact these are long 13 round days and it gets exhausting to play a deck where you're not running into a lot of your favorable matchups or like heavily favored matchups but you know when you're when you're working with stuff like uh you know obstagoon you take a free win that's right. like refreshing and it makes it even though obstagoon has a very slow cadence of play and like you're often going to be having long games like some of those matchups are just going to be free wins, and you you sit down, you set up, and you win. Um, and you know, once morale you do that, is it's high a, after those. Yeah, morale yeah. is high. It's refreshing. <laughs> like even when you're in those winning scenarios, even though obviously you might take a while to win, it's like not like a lot of brain power goes into it once you have set it right. up. Right. So you're just like, yeah, you know, obstruct, obstruct, obstruct. So like, you know, you could just <laughs> you could be doing anything in that time, you know, and just like clicking sure. the button every 20 seconds when it comes back to you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, I I understand what you're saying for sure. Where it's, I I would place even an above average uh, value on taking those like refreshing sort of matchups because the days are so long in this event. Yeah, and then I would also like to touch on Spear Tomb and Mill. And yep, I, hand control. And yeah, so, I want to say mill and spear two or mill and hand control are probably the big elephants in the room. All right, let's talk about yeah, spear tomb first. Yeah, though. I mean they they always seem to be, and we always kind of say that every every cast or at least for the last couple of weeks. But for the spear tomb deck, I think it's fine. I think there's been some talk. I was uh, talking with somebody today about the spear tomb beasts deck where it's just no ADP you're just going to go in and you're trying to hit everything for weakness so you got a buzzwall you got your four spear tomb for the dragapult you got uh, Nile ego just to you know kind of hit in that cleanup spot and then you got a, like a Blissethlon GX to take the burst for the game and so there has been a little bit of talk about that I've seen that being posted on Twitter and things like that people uh, really seem to enjoy spear tomb just on its own without <laughs> 
the help from ADP. Yeah, people love do that I, card. <laughs> do I love Spear Tomb? Not really, because I don't know that it has a favorable... I, I don't know that it has an extremely favorable matchup against Dragapult. It might, in my estimation, take, you know, a 55-45 matchup to Dragapult or whatever, you know, that very fractional... Uh, improvement in the Dragapult matchup, but uh, if you're not beating the deck that you're like really hard countering, I don't again, don't know that it would be my choice. I think that Dragapult can handle the Spiritune deck and so for that reason, I don't love it as a pick. If people are coming up to me and saying that they want to play it, I mean, for sure. Like, I, I would say it's a deck that you want to be practiced with. And I think the more practiced and experienced players are going to know exactly what to do in every single matchup and be able to, you know, again, outplay. You're going to know what to do with your damage counters when you're going to know when to drop Shrine. You're going to know when to Jinx and what to Jinx to and when to use your Spear Tomb ability and things like that. But um, it's just, I, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the deck. And so I, you know, got bodied in the quarter two qualifier. And of course that might have some bias, but um, sure. Yeah. I, again, just Spear Tomb, it's fine. I would never tell you not to play it, but it wouldn't be a deck that I would look to for uh, quarter four, just because the favorable, the favorable matchup against Dragapult really isn't that favorable. Yeah. And I think, you know, calling back to, the experience factor of Spirit Tomb, I, I think it's telling that Spirit Tomb only really has consistently seen success in the hands of Ross Cawthon, who has played this deck, no doubt, a, a ridiculous amount. Uh, that man becomes a fiend for a single deck at a time and tests it beyond belief. Um, so I think if, if you're not able to replicate, not necessarily that level of it, but if you're not able to sort of simulate that sort of testing dome experience with Spirit Tomb, then a lot of the nuance of it is going to be, it's going to be difficult to pick up, right? Um, and I think, especially in this format where you have Dragapult that has so much manipulation of the damage on board, uh, it's it's even more pertinent that you have that kind of experience heading in. Whereas before, you know, in the previous format, you know, I don't think it was as necessary because you did have a pretty straightforward game plan against every deck, um, right? But especially, like, the fact that Spirit Tomb is, like, a quote-unquote counter to Dragapult, but you have to really finesse the way that you play it, I think is yeah. very telling. Yeah, especially, like, when you have Dragapult lists that play, uh, you know, the horror energy, right? Can just kind of, if they have a couple of horror energy attached, then it just goes right back into you as a knockout. Um, things like Giant Bomb, if they're playing that in their Dragapult list. Just a lot of things can really go off the rails for you as a, as a Spirit Tomb player. Not to mention the fact that, you know, Double Prize turns are not you know not out of the norm for a dragapult player and so if you're not able to stream those spear tombs then it gets really hairy in that mid to late game i mean you just want to end the game like as soon as possible as the spear tomb player and if you're giving the dragapult player the time to set up two dragapult v maxes like at that point it's pretty much over for you so um it's it's tough it's a it's a fine deck it's it definitely has a place in this metagame but again, there are some uh, issues with it, not just the Dragapult matchup, but uh, there are just some issues with it that would lead me away from that deck. Yeah, so let's move into the into what everybody's been waiting for, though, and that's the mill and control style decks. Uh, I think first off, what are you preferring among those kind of decks? And second off, where do you see them landing in the qualifier for? I think mill is fine, but I really have been seeing an influx, and I also like the control 
hand control variants. I think we've been seeing a general lack. And if you look at the top performing decks of Qualifier 3, let's just go off that. Um, but if you look at that, they've tended not to include the Oranguru. And so the Oranguru in a hand lock, against a handlock deck is a very good counter because you just get to see one extra random card as opposed to being Chip Chip Ice Axe locked for the entire uh, late game. You know, and so you're getting to see that one extra card with the Oranguru. But if your list doesn't include it, then the handlock deck becomes that much more powerful. So I think handlock is probably better. Articuno is very good right now. Um, just generally, Chip Chip is, is stronger if people don't include Oranguru. And so <laughs> I think that's a really great choice, a very strong choice. And I think the way that we will see, uh, the way that we will see the stall slash mill decks go yeah yeah i think for sure especially harkening back to articuno is incredibly good in this format just can really shut a deck completely out of the game really once it once you declare that cold crush so it can be really tough to come back from that is there anything that you would include outside of that oranguru to potentially improve those matchups pokemon says any thoughts on apom i mean that's a new promo that came out i don't know that it's legal just yet but uh i'm my my people have to get back to me on that one but um let's see there are things like i've been seeing just sky pillar index as like a dragapult answer and if you can get the handlock combo against the dragapult deck and you know mill out their stadiums because they generally only play a couple stadiums so if you can get rid of those, then you should have a pretty decent shot. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of like the resurgence of Faba in the mill control decks. And that's, I mean, kind of goes without saying, I think special energies are pretty strong right now with Picaram and Dragapult seeing a lot of play. And so um, those are the two that maybe just come to my mind immediately, but obviously there are so many different ways you can go with that deck. Sure. I'm actually trying to see online if the APOM is legal or not. I want to say it is. I, I can't see when the actual blister came out, though. It's so hard to find, like, good details on the blisters. I yeah, think. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it, I, again, I it, wouldn't surprise has a, me. it doesn't really surprise me either way, right? Like, I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't know either way. Just... It's not a card that I have. Uh, <laughs> oh no! Heard. Actually, I here it is. Apom card number Sun and Moon two forty four legal date six five. Hey, perfect. So uh, no Apom, unfortunately. Not legal. But no Apom. I mean, should be a good card. Should be a good card when it is legal for play, but uh, just not for this qualifier. Good news is that Mantine Sword and Shield twenty six is legal upon release. So ah okay. <laughs> well, I've been waiting. We've been saying it all along. On this cast, how we've been waiting for Mantine. Yeah, Mantine twenty Sword and Shield twenty six is going to be really big for us. So yeah, that's huge. That's huge, actually. Can't <laughs> wait for that card. When was the last time Mantine had like a good card? Never. <laughs> yeah, I want to say that too. I don't think it ever had a good card. I can. I'm only picturing the card uh, from Heart Gold Soul Silver or that era. There is a Mantine card. That's the only. It's time. also a Mantike. That's true. Well, no, there wasn't one from that. Oh, yeah, you're right. It was from the uh, Diamond and Pearl era, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. The only yeah. Mantike. <laughs> yeah. Poor Mantike really got 
<laughs> Got the short end of the stick with the baby Pokemon. <laughs> well, circling back to the mail stall, and we should open up the field to questions from the chat, but just, just a question for you, Riley. Um, you know, what what do you think in terms of in its in its rankings of, of the decks, if we're saying that the big four are like Blacephalon, Dragapult, Picaram, and ADPZ, what do you think is stall stall's position in that uh, in that maybe tier one list? Like do you think it hangs with those? And what kind of changes would you make going into a field of those four? Yeah, um, I think when I think of stuff like hand control, I always would take those kind of matchups. Uh, maybe Picaron being the question mark amongst those. Um, but, you know, stuff like Blacephalon, stuff like Obstagoon, stuff like ADP Zacian, uh, those are all pretty okay matchups. Uh, again, ADP Zacian is maybe the only one where hand control decks in particular can struggle. Um, but it's also relatively easy to just chain this plant stamp and kind of keep them down no matter how many times they um they try and use this Ashian's ability so i think actually it's it's got a decent field set up for it stuff like Bacephalon is just a hard win for any sort of stall deck um so that can't really be overlooked either uh the only thing that kind of makes me nervous is just being sort of run off the board um because the meta is pretty fast right now and Sometimes I find that stall decks will struggle to find their footing uh, before right. those decks take the aggression necessary to, to take their prizes. Namely, I'm thinking of Picaram uh, being very aggressive, and then even if you get the Cold Crush off, they can Zero Aura GX to recover a huge amount of energy, and right. ADP Zacian can very quickly alter creation, and if you don't have responses at, within the next turn or two after that, then you've basically lost because they've taken so many prizes that you aren't necessarily anticipating. Um, and again, this is specifically for like a hand control style deck, not really a mill style deck. Um, I'm more partial to hand control. I don't, the mill deck, I, I thought it was fun, but I never really liked it. Um, I, I prefer having like more options afforded to you and being able to actually like work against your opponent. Whereas I feel like the mill deck was almost playing like solitaire where it's kind of just like doing its thing. And sure. <laughs> uh, I prefer to like more actively do stuff against my opponent. Sure. So I think I think the field is there. I think it'll probably be see very little representation, um, as it typically would. Um, I think Mill's heyday and Stall's heyday was really in the Sword and Shield set one, where mm. that that one in Chin Chinu Mill deck really just overwhelmed us at the start of the format. Yeah, <laughs> you couldn't go sure. two games on the ladder without for seeing sure. it. So yeah. yeah, I don't think there's even too much you'd have to change to really account for the metagame either. Um, stuff like Fava can potentially be useful in certain matchups. Um, but I think it's actually relatively smooth sailing. I just think only a dedicated player base is really going to pick it up. Um, we have seen some recent innovations into that style. Um, Mahone was trying out sort of the Florges kind of variant on his stream the other day. And I think that deck seems okay on paper. It might struggle in practice. Um, to get fully up and running. I think there's just, yeah. Floor just, I think, asks for a lot really quickly. Yeah. Um, and if it doesn't get that, it struggles. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think those decks are actually in a fine spot. I think the metagame is, is panning well for them. Um, I think Mill might have a better foothold in the meta, just because it. I think it better deals with stuff like Picaron by just like also 
having its own form of aggression where you sure you know aggressively will start removing cards from their deck while they're also trying to aggressively remove cards from their deck <laughs> you know especially you know i don't think about even like even like saying it out loud it's kind of funny that pe- even attaching energy like causes pikaram to like self-mill yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know that i didn't really think about that till just yeah, now get bodied pikaram that's what's up <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah i don't know i don't know if there's any like special tricks that you've really thought of i think the decks are fine uh they'll probably see similar representation yeah yeah i think they're good i think they're good you you kind of hit on all the the reasons why you would play it and why you wouldn't so uh if you were going to play riley and porter four you told me before the stream that you're not i'm very sad because there's no collabs but if you were going to play what deck would you choose and why I think I would just probably still run with the Pikaram deck, at least at this point in time, if I was going to submit a list, it would be a Pikaram deck. I think the deck has all the tools it needs to succeed, and that's usually what I like in a deck. Even if it ends up being the tier one deck that people expect, I think having the tools is more important than you know, having that surprise factor. Sure. Um, and I think Pikaram has all the tools. It has a variety of strong attacks, um, that can do all sorts of powerful things like snipe damage and paralyze and accelerate energy and one shot. Like when you say it out loud, there's actually like an absurd amount of things that it can do, uh, <laughs> but but it can, and that's sick. And so I, I like that. Um, yeah. And I I've had a love hate relationship with Pikram. I actually really loved the card when it first came out, and then everyone started to like it too, and I like hipstered out of it and said I hate yeah. Pikram ever since. Yeah. Um, but I think Pikaram is just the deck to play for this event. Um, and I wouldn't really want to pass that opportunity up. Nice. How about yourself? If to, Tonight, uh, Wednesday night as we're recording, what is the current deck that sticks out to you? I lean towards Dragapult. Um, it, there's just something about it that I really enjoy. <laughs> there has I, to be I, something about it if you got so bodied and are still loving it. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And I, I, like, a lot of me wants to move off of the deck. Like, a lot of me really <laughs> does. And I'm trying, and I'll try on stream tonight to play the deck and play with some other things that I'm considering to just see what happens. But I've been really enjoying the plant stamp in the... Uh, in the Dragapult. I want to see how far that can take me. I think that the Plant Stamp combo gives you a very reasonable shot against Pikaram. Again, taking away the retreat options that it loves with Zero Aura, taking away the Dedene options that it loves in, in any facet of the game, and just removing the hand uh, in the late game is just so big against that deck. that can It can just be the difference. You know, you just need one turn, I feel like, against that deck with Dragapult to just make sure that you're knocking out the thing that has the most energy or the thing that's the biggest threat. And so I I think that's just enough and it has enough like mobility in the other matchups to just really kind of solidify and do the things that I wanted to do with the deck in quarter three. It actually does it uh, now. And I think it would make a great, great choice. And so I want to see what else the format has. I want to test notably adpz which i have not put in a ton of time in with in this format i want to you know really kind of boost my opinions on that deck and in my matchups on that deck and um the other thing i would consider yeah is is Pikaram not to not to kind of just go with the flow on that because i think a lot of people will play Pikaram, but it, it's very justified because there's just so many things you can do so many situations you can get out of 
and um, you know it can beat a lot of the counter decks. So right. it just it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, to me, the only thing that's dissuading me from potentially playing Pikaram is the prospect of playing that horrible, horrible mirror match. <laughs> the mirror is going to be tough. I mean, if you're looking at it and you look at the breakdown of decks in day two, like it would not surprise me to see Pikaram take up a quarter of the day two decks. And so you're you're going to probably be playing two to three, potentially more in day one. And then uh, in day two, you know, who knows? I, I think it's a really strong deck. And yeah. I think a lot of people will play it. So you either hop on it or you have an answer to it. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that you're still sticking on Dragapult as well. Dragapult is just a deck that I have not been able to vibe with. I don't know what about it it is. I, I think just the thing that I personally don't like about Dragapult is just you're stuck at that 130, man. And it, it can feel really bad sometimes if you're getting aggressed on and you, you know, especially by another GX Pokemon or a, a V and yeah. you can't immediately respond. Like you have to hit it two, three, Twice. maybe four times. <laughs> <laughs> if they heal at some point, you know, potentially four times before you, and that I, just feels so I bad to me. True, I, I think Dragapult is the kind of deck that has like these intangibles that can't really, like it's like, it's like the Draymond Green of decks, right? Where <laughs> sure. you can't really quanti quantify why it's good, but it just is like it just is good like it and it provides such value to you like it doesn't have the one shot numbers you know okay blacephalon's good because it hits insane numbers and like pikaram is good because it has all these tools and the draw energy but for dragapult yeah it doesn't really do a lot of damage you know 180 i mean 180 for two is good but it doesn't you know it has no one shot options like in no realm are you ever one shotting anything um, but it takes out like the pivot Pokemon, like we were talking about. It can tank a hit. It can, um, you know, do very tricky things with the tech Pokemon that you include. It just, it all somehow works together to form this cohesive deck. And like I said, it's just the Swiss Army knife of decks right now. And um, something, I guess, that is gravitating me towards it. Yeah. Well, I certainly, I can't hate on you for. For enjoying the deck and, and thinking it's a good choice it's just that is my personal experience and something that has made me uncomfortable is the yeah is the inability to truly respond to immediate aggression <laughs> right uh, right and so i think it's worth keeping in mind for anyone considering dragapult is how you're going to deal with those scenarios and right. i think you have started to formulate those plans for yourself and we've talked a lot about how that might look um, and i would highly recommend if you're considering dragapult uh, also investing that time to figure out what your game plan is going to be working in those kinds of situations because you're going to be putting them for sure absolutely absolutely cool well i think we've about reached our time here we have a lot of discussion i think more than we even anticipated uh because we just start i feel like we do this all the time where we talk before the cast we're like oh yeah we'll do like yeah, you know, there's nothing really to say we'll do, and then uh, yeah uh, later and <laughs> yeah i feel like we're just very opinionated people and we tend to have a lot to say about the things that we want to talk about, which is, it's, I guess I mean, it works there, out for a podcast. There is setting. a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how this limitless qualifier develops. Uh, be sure to check out JW stream this weekend, especially uh, if you're not listening live, uh, JW does stream his limitless qualifier on twitch.tv slash flex daddy righteous. Um, he has some really awesome gameplay. It's a good attitude about the whole thing. 
I was tuning in even as he was getting destroyed <laughs> last last time. He still had a good attitude and, and made the stream fun to watch. So I'd recommend checking that out. Thank you all for the support during the stream. We got a huge influx of subs and gifted subs. And I think that community that we have is one of the best in Pokemon. So you all really make it special. Be sure to rate and review on iTunes if you listen there. Helps us get more visible and get more people interested in the Pokemon trading card game. And with that, we'll see you next time. Peace. See ya.